Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a good week so far. So today on the podcast, the one and only A Vision. Uh, I came across him a while ago. Um, however, in the last like two years, his music's just been like really shouting out at me and I'm absolutely loving everything he's putting out. I got in touch with him on Instagram a while back and we've just been talking. He's a great producer, um, also loves cooking pizza and has like a pizza business as well which is fucking dope so we kind of go on really well and talk about all things food as well um i wanted to get him on the podcast and talk about his life and what he does and his process and we just had a really really good conversation um proper love this guy he's gonna be doing some seriously big things over the years as well i've got a lot of hopes for him um so without further ado a vision and we are live. A Vision, how's it going, man? Good, my man. Audio's good on my side. We're good. Yeah, I think you're good. It's like Zoom, so it's not going to be perfect. Um, yeah. But hey, we roll with it. How's how's life in uh, in New York, man? It's good. So I live about in 45 minutes to an hour from the city. Mm. Uh, I'm in New Jersey. Originally, I'm from Staten Island, New York, and. Uh, yeah, man, it's nice right now. You know, things are opened up. Life is starting to happen. Clubs are starting to open back up. So, you know, it's uh, taking it day by day right now. Back on it, man. It's so nice to see. It's like Fuck. fucking about time, right? Oh, dude, you have no idea, man. It was it was rough over here for a little bit. Mm. Like the first like, like, like last March, I was like, I didn't want to believe it. I was just like, yeah, we're going to get out of this in two weeks, whatever. Miami Music Week is canceled. Fuck it, whatever. It's all good. And then I was like, oh, this is not a two-week thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I totally agree. It was like, yeah. I think I was like, I just finished my tour in March. I was super lucky. I like, Yeah, did, you were over here, right? Yeah. You, you, came, you were in LA, I remember that. All yeah, that stuff. I did like a whole tour and... yeah. I was like, because I live in Detroit, <coughs> usually. Oh, I lost you. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened to me on like where someone just like just fucking goes. <laughs> it just dropped right out. I was like, what the fuck was that? My, my, yo, my screen went black and everything. <laughs> it's what we call it- uh, an Irish goodbye. I don't know if you use that saying in, in yeah, the States. Yeah, no, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, classic. Um, great, but what classic. Yeah, it's the it's the best way to go. No one no one ever realizes you you've gone anyway. 
until they go to give you a shot, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I saw, I actually saw a meme yesterday and it was like, it wasn't a meme. It was just like, you know, like one of those inspirational quote pages on Instagram. And it was like, nobody cares if you don't go to the club. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, that's actually so true. (laughs) You're definitely not missed. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but come to our shows because we need to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, exactly. But yeah. So we're, we're playing soon together. Uh, what is it, July 10th? July 10th. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I don't think it's been announced yet. Um, it hasn't. It hasn't. So we're, we're, we're debuting. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. How was, uh, how was your Mexico trip? Oh, uh, dude, Mexico was sick, man. Yeah. Like, that was my first time in, Me- like, outside of like you know like tulum and mm. and playa de carmen and cancun so like being there in like the city mexico city and then guadalajara was phenomenal mm. it was a uh, great crowd i would say like mexico city was definitely more of like a high-end crowd mm. like you could tell like like there was some real money in that club yeah. um and guadalajara was just it was it was dope really good night we started off in guadalajara then mexico city but that was a you know to jump back on tour real quick like that and like haven't had a run so it was mm. guadalajara, mexico city then vegas and yeah. it was all back to back to back yeah so like we left guadalajara my flight was like right after the club i went straight to mexico city and then i ended up falling asleep at the hotel in the pool <laughs> <laughs> I got all sunburned. Oh, so, no. Um, but I was all right. And then uh, Mexico City, straight from the club to Vegas. And then I was on pretty early. I think I was on at like 4.35 o'clock in Vegas. So, mm-hmm. like, by the time I got settled in, it was like 2 o'clock and ate something, prepped my set, went to the stage. And then that was it. Yeah, Quick, man. This. I was like, damn, that was so quick. I didn't even get to like suck that shit in. <laughs> yeah, you were like thrown in at the deep end straight away. That's kind yeah, of how I feel. I'm, yeah, no, it's I'm, crazy. I'm like about to announce a tour. And literally Ryan, my manager and I, we were like two months ago, we were like, yeah, yeah we don't know if we're going to be touring this, this year at all. And then yeah. literally like three weeks ago, my agents were like, here's a tour. Here's like a 22 day tour. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm working again. And I'm yeah, literally yeah, no. been thrown in at the deep end. But it's all, it's all back to back to back, or you gotta you're coming in and out. I'm not allowed in and out because of the fucking visas. Oh wow. Oh dude, it's so messed up right now. So Yeah, a lot of people are having trouble getting visas right now. Yeah, so what's happened? I don't know, this might not be interesting for anyone listening, but I'm gonna say it, so fuck it. Yeah. Um so we have being a British citizen going traveling yeah. to, to the America, we have to get an O one visa. Okay. Um luckily my O one runs out in August. Okay. However, that means if I if I go into America before August, I can stay. Okay. But okay. I've been approved for my renewal for my visa. Right. However, the embassies have have cancelled all appointments for O one visas up until October. Oh my god. So 
First of all, I have to go in the States via Mexico. So I have to go to Mexico for two weeks before I'm allowed in the States because there's a travel ban on British citizens to America. Why? I don't know. I think it's more political. Um, but then once I'm in America, because there's no meet, there's no embassy appointments, yeah. I'm not allowed to leave America until I know that I can have an embassy appointment. So you don't know when you're going to come home. I don't know when I'm coming back to England. It, we're hoping it's September because I've got shows in, in Europe in September. I've actually had wow. to cancel one of the, one of my shows in, in the UK in August because it's just... Are both your shows in the UK for Europe? Um, i got one in the UK, one in Malta. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, because like Europe's a very touchy subject right now. It's like some spots are open, some spots are really closed well yeah. france is just closed to the uk again and so is germany and you're just yeah. like what the what is the, what the fuck's going on <laughs> yeah it's crazy like um i don't know is italy back open too i i don't know i really don't I know either. i know amsterdam's gonna happen in yeah. october that's what they're hoping mm. I, I i don't think i'm gonna be able to break to europe until like Amsterdam, which I'm hoping that's the start of like Europe, everything yeah. going back to Europe as well. I love Europe. I love playing there too. It's like it's the best. I was going to say, like, do you play more over here than than in the um, states? So like the last two years, we were focusing more Europe mm. than states. I feel like as a an artist from the states, it's important to go overseas and yeah. do your thing. So like the plan, um, like two summers ago, I was in Ibiza and. Mm. I was in Italy with my family and I was doing the run. I did like Barcelona, I did Madrid, I did everything over there. And um, the main goal from my side of the team was like, let's hit Europe hard. Let's, yeah. let's go in. And, um, you know, it was starting to happen. And then sure enough, after that summer, came home, played, played the States a little bit, like LA, played Miami, mm. um, New York and then March came around and that was it. Like I was in, in February, I was in Madrid, Canada. And then I came home, went to the Bahamas with my girlfriend. And after that week, everything shut down. That's wild. And it was supposed to be like a sick weekend in Miami. And then that was it. And, and then here we are. Here we are. Hey, you're um, in your spare bedroom. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, my main focus was hitting Europe pretty hard just mm. because um, my music, I feel like, is um, definitely more driven like to like the UK and, mm. and stuff like that. Because I like got working with guys like Ben Sims and I did stuff for Eats Everything and, and those guys. I mean, it, they have a huge fan base over there. So yeah. it's like I feel like the UK would get my sound a lot more. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I love playing in Europe. I think there's something about it that's just special, you I, know? Yeah, I guess it's different as well. Being American is like getting out of America is sometimes. Yeah, nice, I nice feel like in. every American artist or, yeah, I would say every American artist that breaks out of the States, mm. that's when you become yeah. a real deal artist like once you can leave the states and then come back home and do what you do that's when it's like oh fuck i you know i got something i made it here yeah it's tough isn't it because i think in europe it's not even like that 
Like if you're big in, like for me, I'm bigger in the States than I am in Europe. And just because I'm big in the States, it doesn't mean I do well in Europe at all. See, I feel like it used to be like that here. Yeah. Like, like for instance, um, New York alone, Mm. just New York. DJs used to make a living off of residencies, doing remixes right from New York. You know, like my cousin, uh, Victor Calderon, he had a residency. He was, uh, you know, he used to be at, uh, what was it, the Roxy. He he used to do one-offs at the Limelight. And then Crowbar was like his big residency. And like, dude, these guys were getting paid week to week. Yeah. This was their set time. Vic would go on from 5 a.m. on Sunday morning and play till, you know, almost Monday morning. Mm. And, and that's just how it went. Yeah. And and you didn't have to really think too much outside of that. It was like, yeah, I'll go play in Paris. Yeah, I'll go play here. But like your bread and butter was your residencies. And um, that's how I feel like it should kind of go back to. Like I wish like right now is a perfect time for a kid like me to start a residency in yeah, New York. I agree. Um because number one, travel restrictions, you can't really go too far. You can't, you know, the market and the territories right now, it's like almost kind of, it's hard to route a serious tour because things are just starting to get lifted. You know what I mean? It's, it's, things are just starting to get picked up. So like right now is a great time. It's just, there's no rooms in New York right now. There really isn't. There's New York's no a car. strange one, isn't it? Because it's, it's so strange. It's got, it's, the thing to me. it's got such a great, history on parties and kind of venues and things like that but yeah that's don't get me wrong there's some great venues in new york yeah um garage you got all the tech support parties those mm, are that's um, the main guys that i play with a lot those two tech support and the brooklyn mirage yeah, are the main guys. but it's just it's not like it's not like it used to be which is strange no. and i don't know why yeah. we used to have like i don't know if you caught do you ever catch pasha yeah yeah, Pasha was a great club. I mean, everyone, like, when you were from New York, everyone used to complain about Pasha just because it was, like, it was Pasha. Mm. And, like, everyone was getting over it. But now, more than ever, everyone misses it. Yeah. You know, it was the last true, like, big room nightclub in New York. Um, then we had Space, which was a sick room. It, got, it was a room. How long did that last? Like, a year and a half? It lasted, I want to say, like, two years, yeah. maybe. But, like, the room stayed open. Mm. Like, there was just a bunch of different people involved. There was, there was too many people involved, honestly. Um, output. Yeah, like, out, yeah, output. That That's one that I'm still upset about. I think that was a f- phenomenal club. Yeah. I would have loved it. I wish, like, the, the top floor was a little wider, mm. like, a little spread out more. Yeah. But I, I thought that room was awesome. I only, I, I only played the side room. Part. I played the side yeah, room I, I, before. The Panther room. I yeah. thought that room was better than the main room. Yeah, it was I agree. Sick. I yeah, agree. that was such a good vibe. Like the Panther room, I we would throw my birthday party there every year. Mm. And um we would pack that bitch out. Like yeah. it was it was awesome, dude. Such a good vibe and like it was just a good night to play whatever the fuck you want mm. and just do whatever you want and the club was about it. And I, and what I liked about the club was like you could breed talent through that club. Like you could start a yeah. night in the Panther room and then take that to the main room. Yeah. You know? So 
Yeah, New York's in a weird place right now. I feel like because the city, everyone moved out of the city. Like mm-hmm. right now, real estate in my area is going through the roof. Oh, really? Oh, people are getting $70,000 over asking price. You know, like, like it's mad. insane. Yeah, for a guy like me that's trying to buy a house, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, cheap in, it's cheaper in the city, though it's cheap. it's still not cheap it's it's yeah. expensive compared to still, what it was it's cheaper yeah. yeah it's cheaper than it used to be mm. um but not to buy so much to rent mm. is cheaper right okay. now like rents are going cheap but i feel like within a year man that's gonna that's gonna, it's gonna go back go up. right back yeah. it's gonna go right back to where it was because the people that moved out of the city are gonna eventually want to go back into the city um but I hope this opens up a gap for like someone that's got balls to open up in a club, you know? I think the issue with, with New York is that because everyone's so on top of each other, that yeah. you kind of have like a cool spot. Let, output is a classic example for it. Yeah. You have a really yeah. cool spot in not, yeah. in not so cool of a neighborhood. And then the neighborhood, then the neighborhood gets yeah. cool. And it's because of the club, the club brings people, people like, Oh, I like this area. And it brings restaurants, it brings in amenities. And I think that's the real issue is that it's true. Like you, like the William Vale, the Williamsburg hotel, what's the hotel opposite, opposite output? Um, the Williamsburg hotel. That's right across the street. Yeah. And you got the Hoxton as well. And you're just like, you can't build hotels next to a club. (laughs) You're going to get complaints. Yeah, of course. I mean, but it's New York. It's like, that's the shit that New York does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't Money. know. It's, it's, it's weird because that, that building that output was in is now an event space, mm. like for weddings and stuff like that. And, um, I think that le- once that lease is up, it's going to be turning into like residential. Yeah. But like, for instance, like where the Brooklyn Mirage is at, it's like the borderline of, Ridgewood, Queens, and Williamsburg. So it's like there's nothing that's going to be turned into residential over there because it's all like garbage trucks and like yeah. all like commercial, like construction stuff mm-hmm. over there. So like they kind of lucked out. They'll never get a noise ordinance. They own that whole block. Yeah. It's the most perfect place. Yeah. It's like insane. But like, not that I, I love that venue. I think it's a sick venue. I just, there's something about playing a club. Mm. Like when you play like stereo in Montreal, like that, that's a true club. That's a nightclub. I've like never played there. I'm not cool enough. Uh, dude. I'm not cool enough yet. <laughs> Wait until you play there, man. Phenomenal room. See, I a- see New York though, like Red Room. I played Red Room on my last tour. Nice. And honestly, that was like the first time in a long time where I'm like, this feels like a good grimy club from back in the day yeah, like that's that i love that like that's it's how i grew up playing like i played yeah. in clubs i didn't play in festival settings mm. playing a festival is almost like it, it's fun to play a festival obviously but i can go through eight hours easier than one hour yeah like as a dj mm. like i i these hour sets are just shit you're programming fast like it's just i i can't get what you want out of it in an hour or two hours even i like i feel like 
after my two hour mark, I'm just getting started. I'm just yeah. getting comfortable. You know, like I'm just starting to feel everything out. So I, I think this is an American thing though. Um, like I've spoken about this a bunch of times in on the podcast and this is why the last tour I did was like an open to close tour because yeah. it was just like people, I, like I need to, I want to enjoy myself and I don't get me wrong, I love yeah. DJing, but yeah. I want to, I, my my festival sets are so different to my club sets. Oh yeah, and I just want to be able to like play music for a long time, and also give people the different types of music that you get in yeah. a long set. Yeah, for sure. Give you like you're giving them the artist that you are in a longer set. Get program because certain tracks and and really go through the the journey like that. That's what I've learned as being from New York had some really great role models and, mm. and guys to to look at and it was always about the ups and downs yeah. and going in different directions and not just playing techno and mixing in house and, and a deep house record like there, there's just so many avenues you can go in that's why like everyone labels me as a techno artist and i feel like i'm i'm not just a techno artist at yeah. all like i i i don't just make techno i i'd actually lose my shit if i just made techno i can't Totally agree. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a fan. I love techno. It's my heart. But the, I just feel like as an artist, you have so much more to offer than just being one, a one note producer or a one note DJ. And this is this is why I actually love your music. I like. I've known of you for a, for a, a like good amount of time, but over the last year or so, I'm like damn your music's just on another level in in that genre and or and i was just listening to your new ep at the moment uh, um and it's not like it's just like this is the thing that pisses me off of genres is that it's, yeah. it's not it's just fucking great house music yeah yeah and exactly. and i think that's the thing is like in your music i can hear lots of influences from from like back in the day but also like it's just so well done and it just sounds amazing but also works not that i have played your new stuff on a dance floor but i can imagine it just working on a dance floor really well yeah. and i like to make dance floor music i don't mm. like to don't get me wrong i like to make different stuff but like when i'm making music i always think of how this is going to go on a dance floor yeah how can i make a crowd react a certain way and, and make them feel a certain emotion and, and that's what it's about i think um but yeah, there's a there's a lot of influence in my music, and and honestly, I don't know it triggers certain things. Mm. I like like every artist, like you just go into it and you you just make music. Um, but I always try to keep a balance. I don't like to go too hard. I don't like to go too soft. Mm. And I like creating that balance where it's like you can dance to it rather than yeah. just throw your hands up, you know. Um. Because now, in, in, in especially in techno, everything's about that drop, right? That. Well, it's, that, it's EDM, isn't it? And I don't. This techno yeah, people are going to be pissed off with me saying this, but even yeah. like, like even my last record with um, Oliver Held is the Hilo record. That's yeah. Like, that was purely made for one reason, and yeah. it's more of an EDM record than a techno record. Which is cool, man. Like I have records like that too. Yeah. Like it, it's all good. There's there's a purpose for everything. Of course, yeah. Um, but I, I I feel like things are starting to turn. We'll see. You know what I mean? I think I 
I think music will definitely take a different direction. And it's all about the big guys in the industry too, you know, and how they make their fans perceive the music as well. You know, like once they start going in a certain direction, you start seeing the fans go into that direction. Yeah. And then you never know what the next wave of the sound is, you know? Mm. So uh, to me, I always just stick to what I do and, and just keep it on, just keep on going. You know? I think that's the important thing though, isn't it? About just doing what you do and not kind of following sounds and, and yeah. kind of what's fashionable because especially at this moment, well, we had it with tech house over the last like five years oh. and like, Exactly. And the thing is, if, if everyone, if everyone knew what real tech house was, it would, everyone yeah. would be like, yes, I fucking love tech house. Yeah, but yeah. because of five to 10 records that were absolutely huge in the tech house yeah. kind of genre, it's made everyone, not everyone, but a lot of artists and a lot of new artists have gone like, I want instant success. I want that instant yeah. gratification that those people are getting. So I'm just going to yeah. make a, a copy, a carbon copy of that record. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's the same in the, in the techno world at this moment in time. It's like, I get it. You've got a big kick drum. Yeah. What else, have, what else what are you bringing to the table? Like, yeah. and, and I think that's the thing. It's just, it's just, it's fashion, right? It's the same yeah. with New York Yankee hats. If you know what yeah, I mean? But, like it just, it goes yeah. round and round in circles and yeah. It's uh, it's weird because I I used to like love Tech House and there's still a few Tech House records that I'll still rock, um, but they're older, and and I never got like the whole point of Tech House like the genre mm. itself. I get it. It's pretty much it's it's house, you know. It's a little bit beefier house. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just yeah. chunked up. But um, yeah, the the genre has become very commercialized. Yeah right now and it's it's kind of crazy like it's a i think it's a healthy thing it's not a bad thing it just opens up avenues for other artists to get into something that they've never gotten into before which is in in certain standpoints it's whack and certain standpoints it's a good thing you know i like like we said before i you just put your head down and just keep on doing what you do and it is what it is you know yeah i I I think think more attention to what we do is a great thing regardless Totally. I think commercialization is actually a really fucking good thing because it, is. It, because it, it means it we can pay our mortgages and we can, yeah. we can kind of get food on the table. And I think at the end of the day, yeah. a lot of artists talk about being underground and it's like, well, you, none of us are underground if you've got a fucking Instagram page. Like, yeah, no, it's true, man. Like, and, and that's another thing that drives me crazy. Like the tech <laughs> thing. I'm just like, yo, fuck. Like there's no reason to be a techno snob. There really isn't. I, I think it's, it's just. All, I think it's just ego. Yeah, I mean, like, but what, what, what sets that? Like, what, what makes you like the purest? You know what I mean? Nothing. You're not Jeff Mills. And he's not, not even. Mills, he's not even a snob. Yeah, if you're not Jeff Mills, then shut up. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's just like it. Just like to run their mouth, but no. To, for for me even playing like I, I like to keep to like the pure forms of things like I, I like to if I'm going to play techno I play techno mm. and and if I'm going to play house I'm going to play house yeah I'm not going to play that like I'm not going to play anything commercial that I don't have in me like to play something too commercial um and and 
even when I'm playing like a, a festival or anything like that, I will still try to do my thing without playing like that, that one hit, you know what I mean? Like granted, like fans might want that one hit or they might, but someone's going to play that hit. You know what I mean? So I want to completely change that up where it's like, I'm not, I'm not playing anything else that anyone else is going to play. Would you want, would you want that one hit yourself? Yeah. I mean, I don't (laughs) mind the one hit. No, I mean, bro, we all want that one hit. I won't be the artist though that plays that one hit like four years after I made it. Yeah. I, I, it's just like, oh, I made that already. That shit's over with. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of guys that like, I remember I was playing in Spain and, and someone asked me to play my Suara release. And I only released it. Like I released it within that month, but like, because I played that release so much more before I released it, I was over it already. You know what I mean? Like I was on to like the next batch of records I made. And uh, I saw someone hold up the artwork on their phone. I was like, all right, I'll fucking play it. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's rough good. that I, I, we've, I'm sure you've got plenty of records like that. I, I can definitely relate where like, it's, it's bad though. It's not bad, but I think there's another side of the story is like, yeah. we don't go see the Rolling Stones play for them to play Bob Marley records. no. No, you're right. So there's like, oh. and, and that's the thing. I did a lot of touring with MK a few years ago. Um, and he's like a good homie of mine, but that's the one yeah. thing I learned, learned from him, from his shows. Yeah. Especially his like big, big shows where there's yeah, like 10,000 people. Records, like he's literally just playing like a band almost. Yeah. And I well, really... He's got commercial hits. Yeah. So like you got to put him in the same frame as, I mean, it's not as big as Rolling Stones or something like that, but I mean, he's considered going to see a concert. Calvin Harris, MK. Exactly. I was talking to uh, Calvin Harris over quarantine. Yeah. And we were shitting you know, we were talking about his love generator stuff and, and he was telling me how sick he was like over playing like mm. his own records. He was just so over it. And I was like, damn, like I, I get it. He was just over playing like all of his commercial shit. Yeah. And uh, bro, I mean, God bless him. I think he's one of the best producers of our generation. Like he's a phenomenal producer. 100%. Um, and, and I definitely like, I feel for someone like that because like, they've gotten so commercial that now he's trying to go, not trying, he, he's going more underground and he's loving what he's doing and he doesn't give a fuck about like what anyone's got to say, which is a great problem to have. How amazing you know? is that position to be in? Yeah, it's just like, fuck you, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure he's tired of like all the big label shit and all that stuff. Like, you know, when they demand records out of you and you don't want to, push out a t- like that type of record and stuff it's it's probably it's it's a lot to deal with don't get me wrong my goal at the end of the day is to go out there and try and win a grammy one day and, mm. and produce a pop artist and stuff like that while i'm still doing yeah the underground shit that like that's right i've always had that goal and i've always had that dream um so like a guy like calvin harris is a perfect example of like wow like that's that's it's legit shit man like that guy's one tons of grammys i mean it's written some of the best 
dance records ever in the last 20 years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when you talk to him, he's a super cool dude. It's chill. Super cool. Yeah, super cool dude. Super chill. I guess the thing is, is when when you're when you're that successful, you have nothing to prove. Yeah. You have not no one to prove anything to. You don't need yeah, to you've made your money, you've you've made the records you need to make and now yeah. it's just like I'm gonna focus on what I really like to make. Yeah. Which is cool. And I, I, I liked his love generator stuff. I think it was a cool change up to see him doing something different. I think everyone should be able to do something different, but I think what happens yeah. in, in the kind of circles that we work in is that it goes back to that snobbery is that you actually like you do one record and they love it and the next record because it doesn't sound like the last record it's like yeah. well what the fuck's going on going on yeah yeah i guess you're right it, it's <laughs> you win some you lose some this this is why i started my own label cuz i was yeah. like i'm i can't be doing with trying to make music that fits other people's yeah. sounds yeah no i agree with that and and i'll definitely do my own thing eventually um with a label I, I think a label is a great outlet to just express as an artist totally. who you are and what you, i mean don't get me wrong it's a big responsibility i feel like there's two ways to go about a label and um it's either you go in hard or you just go in just to release your own music yeah and and that's cool too you know what i mean either either option's cool um but for me, I definitely one day start, I'll start something. Once, do, once I feel like the time is right, you know what I mean? I feel like I definitely built my own sound and I'm mm. cool with it. And I, I love doing that. And I definitely would love a label that could, you know, have other artists to, to do the same thing. You know what yeah. I mean? It'd be cool to have that, you know, have a team and everything like that. But when the time is right, I'm all about timing. Everything needs to fit the right time frame it has to be the right time because otherwise if yeah. you do it too early it kind of weaken weakens the whole brand if you come yeah. out when you're like at the you're about to peak it's, yeah. it's more things to talk about and yeah. the reason the re, the only reason why i did it was because i wanted to control my release schedule and, yeah. and control touring around that and release music that people don't want to release yeah yeah no it's true man like the whole release schedule thing is such a fucking up yeah. and down swing like we we're planning my album coming out on Elm, and we're waiting for like one vocal clearance and mm. stuff like that and um i i don't have a date to to you know start planning things which yeah. is it's not on us and it's not on Elm either like it's just how things go sometimes um but yeah i, I blocked out like the end of my summer yeah for this album and uh, I have one more EP coming out on Truncate before the album. Mm. So it's like, if the album gets pushed back, then I have another like few months without records. So then like I could always throw like a band camp up or I could do yeah. something just to say thanks to like people listening. But like, I'm very on top of my schedule. Like 2022 is already like, yeah, like I'm done. Like I, I don't have any more not that I don't have more music. I always have music, but I don't have any space or slots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't want to over-release because I feel like the last two years of my releases were like one on top of the other. And it's like, fuck, I hate that. Like, I don't want to have a remix out when I have my EP out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like how things happen sometimes. 
and every label, you know, you're dealing with certain labels that have to push this out and you're dealing with guys that have to push things back. And it's, it's sometimes a mess, you know, it's frustrating. So frustrating, super frustrating. But, um, and then sometimes like you, you want to be a dick and be like, no, I can't release it then. But then when you realize who you're working with, you're like, fuck, I got, we got to do it. Yeah. It's it's just what it is. Yeah. I'm I'm in that predicament. I'm in that predicament at the moment. I've got a remix coming out or I did the remix last year and they were like, oh, we're going to shelve all the remixes for this album that of this yeah. artist. And we're like, okay, cool. They paid us. Was, but it was like, I, I wanted the remix to come out. And uh, yeah. so we planned this whole year out and now I've got that. They reached out to us like two weeks ago. And we're like, oh, we're putting it out in this month. And I was like, we can't do it. Yeah. Like, it's going to fuck two of my releases up. Damn. And I'm just like, we just can't do it people. Um, but sometimes you, sometimes you just got to roll with it. (laughs) So it's true. You just, it's some, listen, it's better to put it out than not put it out sometimes, but like I'm a big planner and I like to have the assets for everything. Especially now like Instagram and all that shit, man, that we have to focus on. It's just, it's just as important as the music now. Um, if not more. Like, yeah, man. Like, I feel Which like it's fucked. I, I need to start like fucking posting myself swimming in a pool. Now <laughs> I need to post stuff that's like completely not music related because anything that's not music related now just gets views and gets, you know, reposts. And mm. it's just like, I guess people want to see your life outside of what you do too, which is weird, but like, yeah, they're interested in that stuff. I think I think you're I think we're not just DJs anymore and we're not just oh, producers yeah. and it's it's fucking frustrating. I you, can't it's it's a lot to stay on top. Do you struggle with it? Not that I struggle with it. We have content, we have everything. My thing is like what's going to set me apart? You know what I mean? What what's mm. what's what's setting me apart? Everyone's going to post a dope picture behind the DJ booth. Yeah. Every bro, we're all DJs. Most DJs like to cook. I like making pizza. You're always cooking shit. I see you cooking all the time. Yeah. We all like to cook. Cool. Right. All right. There's two DJs right now. We're talking. We both like to cook. What sets you apart from me and you cooking? You know what I mean? Like uh, Will Clark's cooking. Anthony's cooking. It's like, I just saw that on my feed. Like, what what is everyone? You know, (laughs) I don't know. It's just kind of like, why can't it just be about the music? Like, it's, it's, it is what it is. I'm not going to hate on it, social media at all because I think every artist has the has their perks to take advantage of it. Yeah, you know, and it's it's how far you want to push it, and there's no limits with that. It's Instagram has been probably one of the main reasons why I was able to get in touch with DJs that I thought yeah. I couldn't get in touch with on email. So like, a lot of relationships started from Instagram or social media. So I'm not going to complain about it, but I do think it's become oversaturated and there's a lot of bullshit that gets posted from other artists that I just feel like it's like, dude, this is so corny. Do you, do you know what annoys me the most? Go for it. Private jets. Photos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you got one? Cause we're stopping this. this <laughs> we're no, stopping now. I don't have one. I don't. I'm you out of we almost took one from Mexico City, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't care about people taking them. I'm all, nah, all for people I, taking them. I don't fuck with that, honestly. But, I don't fuck with 
but no, don't take a photo and put it on Instagram. That's my only thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. My thing is like the the coyness, like playing a vinyl and smiling into the camera, and like or like me drinking my morning water or my morning coffee and just. <laughs> Like posting that on Instagram, I'm like, "Yo, are you fucking kidding me? That got four hundred thousand views. <laughs> what do I need to like? Do I? I'm gonna just start taking my shirt off and rubbing my nipples. Like, what, what's good? Like, Dude, this is terrible. You'll sell more tickets if you did that. That's I, a I sad thing, bro. I've come to realize if I really show like who I am personality wise on social media and like just completely joke around and make fun of myself, and, yeah, and do all that, I'd probably blow up right yeah. like just like that but like it's it's just not who i am like yeah. I, I can't i can't fake it like that i just yeah. can't like, it, it, there's a lot of bullshit on on social media with with our industry too you know 100 percent. oh dude it's it's endless like you, you see these these techno pages they just post pictures of women and and all this stuff and it's just like dude this is stupid like yeah. this is what it's become this is not what it's about at all when I was in Mexico, uh, Mexico City put stickers on people's phones mm. so they couldn't take pictures or or anything. And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's great. That's awesome." Like I didn't see one flashing light on my eyeballs that night. Yeah, it was great. that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I I think there's there's advantages and there's just things that like people don't see on Instagram like there you could fake it until you make it all you want on Instagram and that could start selling tickets and that's not fair I feel like to an artist that's buried into the studio really learning the craft and and really honing in on his skills like that that's it's totally just bullshit you know yeah I think I think that's the thing isn't it that being a DJ nowadays isn't necessarily about yeah. being able to produce music or being a good DJ it's about what Oh, you could pay someone to do that. Yeah, you. exactly. Exactly. You know, that that's it's it's robbery. You know, yeah. it's like we should we this industry should almost get treated like um like sports, right? Like I've played baseball my whole life and um when when you're good enough you make the team, yeah. right? Then it's up to you to make the team and then start in the position you want to start in, right? You can't pay someone to make you good. Yeah. You have to naturally grow as a as a an athlete mm. so like it should almost be taken the same way like you you want your music to be good you should work on your music you yeah. want you want you know your skills to be good as a dj work on your djing skills you know djing has become a very accessible art form yeah these you know you can hit a sync button and as long as you can count to four you don't even have to nowadays. <laughs> you really don't, you know? And like, I think now being a DJ is more about like track selection yeah. and, and knowing how to read a crowd more than anything else. Totally. Um, but fuck man, like it, it's definitely diluted this industry and, and, and the artists that are in this industry, but I'm not one of those guys that will preach over and over and over to me, like I said before, I, you just put your head down, you keep working hard, things will happen when you just keep working hard. And, and I think that's you know. the thing is, I think that's what people forget about is that the more 
work you put into it, the more you'll get out of it eventually. And I think there's always that anomaly that somebody has a hit record in their first year and blows the fuck up. But generally those people don't actually last that long in this industry. They have, they have five minutes of fame and then it's like, what the fuck happened to them? Yeah. And I think the people, the people that actually last a long time and for even for me, like, I technically yeah, bro, you've been in this for a minute, man. Yeah, yeah and, camp, everything, bro. You fucking you've been grinding. And technically, I, my career should have been over a long time ago, because <laughs> because it's like I've not had a hit record. I've like gone from being even before Dirty Bird, I was doing something else. Then still under yeah. with Will Clark, I then went through Dirty Bird. I then kind of stopped doing the Dirty Bird stuff and started my own thing. Yeah. And like I've I've kind of had like three careers in one, and cool. That's that's what makes you an artist. Yeah, right? and I think that's the thing is, but I'm happy that I haven't had a hit record right yet, right now. Yeah. What do you consider a hit record though? Like number one on Beatport or no. I, no, I, like, I don't I pers- as much as I love all the guys at Beatport. Yeah, like, they're great guys. They're fucking awesome, but I I don't think. I, I would love I would love a beatport number one. I'm not yeah. saying I wouldn't want that, but I think you either have a beatport, you have a number one on beatport, or nothing else matters on beatport. Um, yeah, no. But I, I think for me, a hit would be it starts with every single DJ playing it. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of comes through the underground and then goes into the the commercial realm, but. But funny, I'm sure we both had almost every DJ playing it. Yeah. Like I've had, I've had Calvin play my stuff. I've mm. heard Diplo play my stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I've never gotten that commercial driven mm. hit. I think that, also a hit comes with. Sorry to button it. A hit comes with what comes with the hit that yeah. is your fees go up. You sell more tickets. You double oh, your ticket sales. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, look at Fish. Let's look at Fisher, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, Fuck, that's that was a hit. That was exactly huge Camel Fat Cola. Like, these w- you only have these like once but every it five has years. That crossover sound to it, mm. where it's like the underground's not playing that. So where's the happy medium Tiga. from the underground to the commercial side? Tiga Bugatti. That, yes, a hundred percent. Like Bugatti. that. That you got. Hundred percent. Fat Boy Slim back in the day. Even like Butch, no worries. Yeah, like that, that was a complete underground to up the ladder. Everyone e- was even Detlef and like I, I, I love Detlef. He's the fucking G, and I know his music kind of goes into that tech house realm. But when he first came out, like that yeah. shit was on another level. But yeah, I wouldn't. Man. I still wouldn't say it was hit. It was like yeah. a hit, hit. It was like underground hit. But yeah. for me, like. Chemical Brothers, Tiger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fat Boy Slim. That that that's like Chemical Brothers was like what early two thousands ish, late nineties, early two thousands. Like yeah. that was a time where Different. where you could have an underground hit and it could still reach the yeah. the commercial side of things. Like dance music as a whole mm. was getting commercial, and yeah. it didn't matter if you heard it on the radio. And it didn't matter if you heard it in the club. Mm. Whereas now is if you hear it on the radio, you're not going to hear that shit in the club no. from us. Very you know what I mean? That shit, I'm not playing a Whitney Houston vocal. You know what I mean? Like, but where in nineties in New York, 
you would have Whitney Houston show up to the club. You would have Junior Vasquez, who remixed Whitney Houston, yeah. play the, the remix in the club, and it was underground. Yeah. And it didn't matter if Whitney was on it or if she wasn't, but it was still considered underground. Well, like, th- you had local hits that were underground music. I think that's the thing that we don't necessarily do in this day and age in our genre in our in our field is that like oh you put a vocal in a techno record you you're not cool i don't get that shit (laughs) people category like like vocals being whack i've never granted like not every record i play has a vocal in it but i think you need to give someone something to remember as well that's my whether it's words a, a vocalist singing you know, on my album, there's there's a few vocal records on my album, and I wrote everything, and I'm I'm fucking damn proud that there's vocals on it, and I'm really proud that I could show a different side of myself that no one's ever heard. It's key, you know, man. it's key. Yeah, and like New York is so big on vocals. Mm. Like we had major vocal hits in New York, and even even watching my cousin play through the years, like he he's always playing vocals in his sets. Yeah. Like I never knew, I never got why people to like, Oh, he's playing vocals. Why? I love like, vocals. Like, That's how I started. I play. I yeah, started yeah, with yeah, like Frankie Knuckles. Like that was literally playing yeah. Frankie Knuckles, playing old defected, like 90 old defected nineties records. Like that was, that was it for me. Yeah. Like, no, like it's, it's a time. I feel like back then that was a time where it was a great thing to have true musicians and music vocalists, mm. real writers writing great hits. It's another reason why I feel like music has gone a little downhill is just because like, let's say you're a bass player. I'm a drummer. Yeah. We get into the studio and there's a producer that producer is telling me what he wants out of me yeah. as an artist or a musician to fit the artist's sound. Mm-hmm. And when you have, a few badass musicians working together that could f- play a record and, and feel with each other. Like there's no better chemistry. Me playing drums. Like I played drums my whole life too. And like, there's no better feeling mm. than playing with other musicians that get it. Yeah. Like that's, it, it's an unmatched feeling. Um, and I feel like we don't get that in music a lot at all anymore. Mm. And that's why you, you know, you, you start to see like the commercial side of things kind of suck. Like commercial music is not good anymore. I think no. the only guy yeah. that I truly appreciate his music is like Bruno Mars, a kid yeah. like that. Like that's, that's just, just good. Fucking. Have you heard his new stuff up. with, um, oh, what's his name? Right, Anderson Pack. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's killer. I can't wait for that album. Yeah. Like, fuck, that shit is just so tight. Like, and, and he, he's taking on that soul approach mm. that no one's taken on in a long time and he's doing it right. He's just crushing it. And like, that's true musicianship. That's true writer, um, composition. Like it's just all really good, well done music. And I, I'd like to see that go back into the underground as well. You know, like the, you had guys that came in and played piano chords for you or a baseline and like that, that's where it's at, man. Like that's, you're not going to get a better feel from a musician. Like you, you could, you could, you could sequence all you want, but you're not going to get that feel. And, and I feel like that feel I, me as an artist, like, I think that's why my music is, has 
made some some noise is just because it I'm playing how I want it to feel. I'm not like I'll sequence my drums here and there sometimes, but because I'm a drummer, I I, I actually have a hard time sequencing. Drums. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but even on the other side, like for guys that do sequence, like like for a guy like you, bro, you've had some nice bass lines and, and some really good drum grooves, and like I don't know, if, do you play? I play the keys a bit, but I don't drum. Okay. Even for a guy like you, though, man, like you, there's great groove in that. Like there, like I feel like every good record needs a good groove yeah. to start off, and like the rest is easy, you know. Totally, I totally agree. Is is I, I think that's also about going from where your influences are, though, right? And yeah. If like even the like old techno, some like super old techno records, it was all played. Like yeah. the keys were played, the chords, like the, in the Detroit, like the original Detroit techno, like with the chords, like they were just played. They weren't like yeah. sequenced in. Like, no. You couldn't sequence in the, the yeah, middle. No, yeah. Like Omar S is like one of my favorite producers. Um, and Mr. G as well. Mr. G is no joke. <laughs> and like, yeah, let's say for instance, like Mr. G, I know that all of that stuff's literally just done on hardware and he's just putting the mixer in and out and muting yeah. it. And like, that's... That's badass shit, man. That's how they used to do everything. Yeah. You know, lower lower the ride, mm. slam it back in, yeah. like all that shit. That's, that's fun stuff. I don't... I, sh I would love to get more into live recording like that. Yeah. A lot going on, though. I don't think it... Not that I can't handle it. I feel like you need someone there in the studio with you, though, to kind of help I, navigate. I think it's about simplicity in those situations. Like, if, yeah. you, if you listen to the old stuff, it's literally yeah. like four elements. Yeah. That's why I like guys like Robert Hood. Yeah. Like, oh, Robert Hood's probably one of my top three. Have you met him? No, I met him uh, two years ago uh, in New York. We played a festival called Gather. Yeah, with the tech guys, and uh, I met him, and I was like, "Dude, I want to meet him." I, uh, I I live in Detroit as well, and I really want to. Yeah, meet him. No, I remember you. I remember you. You were there, and yeah. uh, he doesn't live in Detroit anymore. He lives in uh, Alabama. Oh, does he? Did he move? Yeah, I believe so. I think he lives in Alabama. Um, his floor plan project with his with his yeah, daughter. With his daughter, yeah, so good, so cool, man. And, I take uh, huge influence from them. Oh fuck yeah! Dude. Huge. They have uh, one record. Tell me no lie. Oh uh, man, fucking killer record. So like good. Uh, he, he that's that's sampled from uh, a group called Brainstorm. Uh, Loving is really the game. Yeah, it's an disco record, and it's like 140 BPM, really so quick. Good. Yeah, and uh, the sample they took was from a redone version. Mm. And they fucking cut that sample too well, like really good. I have, to, I'll have to send you a new record that I've done. Yeah. Um, I'll send it to you after. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's um the the way they make their records is just. Yeah, I think I think he's still like mostly analog. Like mm. you could you could you definitely could do like that, or he's got some really good emulators that are just fucking. <laughs> Yeah. do you do uh, much do you do much in in hardware um recently because of my situation like mm. 
my sister moved back home and with her puppies and stuff, I haven't uh, sat in my studio in probably about a month or yeah. three weeks, four weeks maybe. I've been pumping everything out on my laptop, but um, I'm pretty damn good at just pumping shit right through my laptop. Mm. But when I sit in that studio and I turn on all my hardware, there's just something special that happens mm. that like you can't get out of a laptop. Um, right. Like, and my dad was big into studio gear and he had a, he had a wedding band for a long time. So he had all the key- analog keyboards from the 80s and 90s and stuff like that so i Does he still have them I, yeah i i have a decent amount of his stuff downstairs it's uh i have his yamaha dx7 his uh korg ex8000 um his vfx and sonic vfx um and the akai ax80 nice which is pretty they're all pretty dope um and i just bought the new Korg mini log too yeah i've got that there yeah, the black one. Yeah. yeah, I dude, I love that thing. It's great. I think it's killer. Um, and then I have a Nordly two and a Triton, uh, Corb Triton. Yeah, up there. And like, yeah, man. Like, I don't, I don't like to turn them all on and just start going off on. Uh, if my project for the day is like, all right, let me turn on my Nord. Let me see what I get on my Nordly. Yeah. And if I could just keep running the sounds, keep tweaking, and then. By the time I know it, I have a record, and um, something, and and I think sound quality wise, there's just something that with analog that just cuts through those uh, the tubes just they cut through so much better than uh, in the box. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not one of those guys that's like an analog purist. I've gotten a great sound out of my laptop too. Well, you we, know, you also have to get work done, and I think the thing with analog is it actually slows things down. Oh, it definitely so slows down. A lot of my albums, uh, my analog stuff, um, like the the lead track, it's called "In My Mind." It has vocals on it. A lot of that was analog. Um, yeah, I, I made sure, like when I was writing my album, that I turned on my gear and I got the most out of like what i wanted mm. but yeah man i'm not i'm not one of those guys that's like oh fuck you only gotta go analog you know what i mean that's that's complete bullshit these days yeah it's There's too many good plugins out right now i I'd, I'd love to do like a project where it is just analog and that's purely just as like it's like a tool it's like a kind yeah. of a, a exercise to like okay don't touch anything in the box just jam and see what you can make yeah um, no i think that's cool. Yeah. Like you just see where it goes. Yeah. You know, um, but dude, gear can get challenging sometimes. <sighs> so you know, annoying. You, you're, you're fucked. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's scary stuff too. Yeah. Super shit. Dude, I think yeah. we need to talk about pizza. <laughs> oh yeah, we definitely do. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so you make pizza. Yeah, man. Actually during quarantine. So, a lot of people don't know, but I, I own a production company as well with okay. my partner. Since we're 12, we own the, the production company, like just lighting, sound, rentals, stuff like that. Cool. Um, so like when everything hit, me and him were like, yo, what the fuck do we do? Yeah. Like I'm not touring. Our business is dead. Fucked. Yeah. What do we do? So we started a mobile pizza trailer and uh, I taught him how to make pizza and my cousin making pizza. And we, uh, we just got one of our boys who worked for 
a Michelin star restaurant uh, for Thomas Keller. Mm, and wow. he helps us out too. Yeah, he helps us out. What and, did he uh, do for Thomas Keller? Uh, he was at the Tack Room in mm, Manhattan. Amazing. It was in uh, Hudson Yards yeah. in the city. Phenomenal restaurant. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we had we got a crew. We bought uh, an oven on wheels, and it's been super busy, super busy. So like, if I'm not, tour- what's that? Do you go out on it? If if I'm not, yeah, if I'm home, I'll, yeah, it's my business. I'm always going to be around. You know, if if I can do what I got to do, and I'll go to the jobs. Why not? You know yeah. what I mean. I enjoy making pizza. I think it's fun as fuck. So yeah. it's like it's cool to have another another asset that like when I'm touring and I'm not here, and we have a few jobs going out. Like my my pride is still out there. Like it's it's a cool yeah. You know, it's a cool thing. It's called uh, CG Pizza. It's uh, an Italian. It's uh, culo grosso, which means big ass in Italian. So it's a whole play on, it's a whole play on Italian American slang, and like we we have a fig pie that we make, and it's called how the fig you doing. Uh, like it's all like New York slang and Italian American slang that we just had fun with, and it, it turned into something. Every year for my birthday, if you're if you're in the states, if you're in New York for August. I'll, I'll have you come over. It's it's a fucking it's I'm a fun I'm, I'm in the states. Yeah, we uh we we throw a birthday party, and I make like seventy five pizzas for everyone at my house. And um, that's how this started. We were like last year, we were like let's do something fun. Like let's mm. let's make this a mock restaurant. Like let's let's have fun with this. And we started, you know, we started doing some branding and started playing with logos and stuff like that. And sure enough, man, we had a brand right in front of us and had no idea. And then my buddy Joe got called for a job. We, we know a, a girl that owns a sick ice cream truck. She makes like homemade cookie sandwiches and stuff like that. And, um, she called, she called my buddy Joe and she's like, Hey, do you guys want to, you know, do a job for like 75 people? in a backyard and my buddy Joe was like, sure. (laughs) And sure enough, bro, we, we fucking went out there. And I guess being from the event industry, we know how things work. You know what I mean? We we were able to figure everything out pretty quick and you learn as you go. It's another business asset that I feel like will take me into the the reins of owning a shop Mm. like down the line. I think, as a DJ and an artist, I think it's always good to invest your money into other things that you could turn into more money and build a little empire. Um, and I've just learned that from watching other people do their yeah. thing. You know, like I think real estate's a great investment. Mm-hmm. I think having another business is a great investment to offset your touring. So like when you're touring and you have your restaurant going off and you got another business going off, you're, you're making money on all ends, yeah. which is a great problem to have, you know? And then sure enough, when you're 50 something years old, you could take the gigs that you want to take. Yeah. You could make whatever music you want Yeah, and you can go to your, your shop and do whatever you want to do. You could sell it. It's an asset, you know? I totally agree. I think, I think, I don't think it's just about being an artist. I think it's just life. I think nowadays yeah. is like being able to do being able to find something that you absolutely love to do and have multiple, multiple things of that. Yeah. So that's, that's what it is. Like I'm doing everything that I love to do. That's you know, the, that's the most, you got, you got the pizza business, you got 
my production company, which is great. We have guys that, that really run that shop, which is, is awesome. And then, uh, my tour life and my career, which is really like, I don't think anything will ever come close to the amount of passion that I have for mm-hmm. my career mm-hmm. and how much like things I want to do with my career. Yeah. Um, but pizza is pretty damn close, man. And I, <laughs> we got it. We got to figure it out pretty quick, which is, which was awesome. Um, it's funny. Dave reset robot hit me up yeah. and he's, he was thinking about doing something too out by him. I was like, dude, you should totally do it. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you all the pointers yeah. like that we started everything with. And he's like, yeah, man, we got to hop on a call. But he got really good at making pizza too. It's crazy. He's really good. Like, yeah, we we send each because I bake bread as well. And right. he, oh, he, bro, I can't get that down for the life of me though, which is fucking hysterical. I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you yeah. up with the bread. You do, um, you do like a sourdough. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I. I, um, I tried to do the whole starter and like, I, we had fun with it, but for pizza, I didn't like the flavor mm. so much for sourdough. Um, do you just use cake I, yeast? I, so I use, I use, uh, active yeast yeah. and we're about a 70% hydration mm. on our dough. I only do a room ferment mm. and uh, I bulk, I do a bulk for anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. Mm. Um, and then I'll ball up probably eight hours before we make pizza. Do you have like big mixers? Are you doing it all in uh, a big mixer? Yeah. Mixer. Yeah. When you're in New York, bro, I'll fucking pick you up. You come down here. Dude, I'd love to, man. Out. I'd absolutely love to. Like 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, be fun. What's I'll your favorite you. pizza place in New York then? Oh, I hate Because <laughs> honestly, there's so many good ones. Paulie G's uh, is mine. Paulie G's is phenomenal yeah um i'm i'm a wood fired guy so i like i like traditional new york style pizza i'm gonna go with john's i like john's i'm bleaker mm-hmm. it's coal fired um the uh ill industry guys are really good in brooklyn i've not been there oh oof, that's a good one a good uh but if you want to keep it classic to old school new york i think uh the Farris, mm-hmm. you got um What's it called? J and V. You got L and B in Brooklyn. I, you know what's funny though? I think Brooklyn has better pizza spots than yeah. the city. Yeah, I agree with that. The city's kind of oversaturated with that dollar slice shit, right? Like there's, two there's good pizza, shops. baby. Yeah, there's good shops, but like there's Brooklyn has those spots where it's mm. like fuck. This is like it's it's, it's just yeah, um, yeah. There's there's some legendary spots. I think. My the Farris got me really good. I so the Farris, there's um the original owner that was making pizza there for like fifty years. Mm. Um, he doesn't. Uh, Dom is his name. Dom DeMarco. He doesn't make the pizza anymore there. I don't think. But I waited three hours for a slice. For a slice. For yeah, when he was there, and um, I waited three hours, and it was. It was fucking incredible. It was, <laughs> I hope it it's fucking incredible, incredible to wait three hours for a slice. Really There's uh, another spot that's in the city, but he he uh, he opened up a spot in Jersey as well, and um, his his spot's called Una Una Pizza Napolitana, and uh, his, the owner's name is Anthony Mangieri. He's like he's a pizza legend, dude. Mm. This guy he's more of like he was a baker, 
before he got into making pizza, yeah. but his topping game is next to none. Okay. What he what he pairs is phenomenal ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like he's getting real deal shit. Um I love his pizza. I think his topping game is better than like his crust and everything. Yeah. He's more of like a not not as thin. He's a little more fluffy and it's more about his technique. Yeah. That you're paying attention for. Mm. Like you would probably like it because you like bread. You like to break yeah, you yeah. like to bake bread. Um but I like a little bit thinner pie, but um I'm a Neapolitan style guy. I like Neapolitan. Classic. Um but nothing beats a good classic New York slice. Yeah, I agree. Cheesy. Walking down the street. Nothing beats that good slice. Nothing man. beats it. And it's like bigger than your face. And it's just uh, fucking amazing, yeah. man. Nope. Um Dude, I'm out I'm out in July. July the twenty fourth, I'm playing Mirage. Um, okay. Cool. and I think I'm gonna come for like a few days before. All right. Um so cool. we've got we've got to do some pizza yeah, tours. Yeah. We gotta do it. Dude, Dude, we've just done over an hour. Um, let's wrap this motherfucker up. But before we go, how can people follow you? How can people listen to your music and things like that? So it's uh, at a vision on Instagram. Uh, and I think Spotify is a vision as well. And then SoundCloud is a vision official. Sick, really man. Dude, thank you so much for your music. Yeah, thank, you. thank you for coming you. on. Um, see you July the 10th in LA. We'll see you soon, bro. Keep safe, man. See you soon. Yeah, have a safe, bro. Peace. Be good. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit subscribe. Uh, tell your mates about it. Give us a little comment if you want. Thank you so much. Keep safe. See you next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.